<clears throat> so I, I think that passage there pretty well sums up what we're talking about. From the very beginning, that's what God has been saying He wanted. He wanted to come down and dwell among us and be our God. We would be His people, and it would be this relationship. And in the garden, you know, He created Adam. He said, let's make man in our image. And then he began to commune and fellowship with man. He told man, look, I want, you to, I want you to multiply and be fruitful. I want you to fill the earth and have dominion over it. I want you to do all this, and I'm going to be your God, and I'm going to be right there with you. And all he asked him to do was just, just obey. You can do anything you want, have anything you want. There's just one thing I'm asking you not to do. And that's what they did. So that relationship changed with that choice, but then God immediately began to institute a way to make it right again and to fix it so that we can, that we can be in that kind of a relationship again. And so all throughout the, the revelation of God in the Scripture, it's all about Him showing us who He is, how He wants to relate to us, and what it's supposed to look like. And when you get to the very end in Revelation, we just read that. That's what it's going to end up like. God is going to dwell with us. He's going to be our God. We're going to be His people. And we're not going to have any more of these problems and brokenness. But we don't have to wait till then for God to be our God and for us to be His people and for Him to dwell with us and for us to begin to be healed of our brokenness. God wants to, He wants to begin to reinstate that now. He wants to restore our dominion, our ability to rule and reign, even in this earth, right now, God wants us to be able to, to have dominion. Sin shall not have dominion over you because we've been set free of the power of sin. When Jesus died on the cross, he broke not only, not only the sin, but he broke the power of sin. So he forgave us, but he also has broken his power so that we can have dominion over it instead of vice versa. Now, we're not going to be perfect, but we're supposed to be walking this out. And that's, that's what all this whole experience on earth is about. It's learning how to walk out this salvation. God provided it. And I hope I'll make this clear, but when you accept Jesus, your sins are forgiven, you're made new. Positionally, we are seated in Christ in the heavenly places, and we have his righteousness covering us. Everything is square, and there's not anything that you can do or anybody else can do that can change that other than if you just say, I just don't want God in my life anymore, and you just turn your back on and walk away. Then you got some problems. But as long as, as long as you make that commitment and you say, Lord, I'm going to walk with you, you can mess up a hundred times a day. You can stub your toe and fall on your face. You can, you know, you can be a rebel sometimes. You can be a bullhead sometimes. You can be stiff-necked. All that is okay. But that's walking out our salvation. And we're not earning anything, but we're just, we're just learning how to walk with Him, learning how to let Him be our God. He wants to be our God. But we're broken and messed up, and He's perfect and holy, and we've got this, this constant problem where we mess up our communion with Him when we sin and when we disobey. It doesn't change your position. So I just want you to understand, you know, when I, when I say things about, 
about us walking with the Lord. I'm, you know, I, I don't want to go into it every time, but I'm, I don't want you to be confused. I'm not saying you, you're going to lose your salvation every time you mess up or every time you sin. I'm just saying it affects our communion. You know, if I slap my wife around every night, you know, we're not really going to be in a great loving relationship. You know, I'm going to be really hurting probably if I do that. So I got two really big sons and they'd probably come find me. So, you know, but, but the point is, if you want to have a loving relationship and a good relationship with someone, you, you kind of got to work it a little bit. You're not going to earn their love, try to earn your wife's or your husband's love by buying them things or doing things. You know, that really doesn't work all that well. It might help if you mess up, you know, to, to do that, just to kind of let them know, you know, I'm sorry. But, but you can't earn that. You can't earn it with God either. It's not even possible. But, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't try. We shouldn't try to do the things that God has told us are good for us. And that's, that's what I'm really talking about. And, you know, I, I can't say it all every week, but I just want to make sure we're not, we're not confusing anything here. When we talk about walking out your salvation, we talk about this whole thing about uh, learning to be more like him and having his mind and him changing us and all that. That's... That's really not got anything to do with salvation as much as it's just the relationship. You know, if I know my wife doesn't like me to say a certain thing and I choose to just keep saying it, that's going to create a problem. So it's better for me just to submit and say, okay, I won't say that anymore. I won't say that anymore. <laughs> I won't even tell you what it was. <laughs> I do say it every now and then just to kind of yank her chain, but... Uh, but generally speaking, I, I think we all understand this whole concept of trying to please the people that you love and trying to get along with them. That's, I mean, we ought to be that way. That's the way we ought to be naturally. You shouldn't need someone to, you know, to beat you around and fuss at you and tell you all the time. I mean, that's just normal behavior. And the more we become like Jesus, I don't want to shock you too much, but the more you become like Jesus, the more you'll want to be at peace with other people, and the more you'll want to get along with other people, the less you'll want to argue, the less you'll want to insist on your way, and the less you'll want to be bullheaded and stubborn. Anyway, it's not really part of what I was going to talk to you about. But <clears throat> it didn't cost any extra. Revelation 4 says, After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. God is always instituting all of this. That's what I want us to understand, is that as much as we think we're seeking God, He is seeking us way, way more. God is the one who instituted everything. You know, he, he said, I want to make man so I can have a relationship with him. And then he said, I want to I fix a, a, a plan where the, we can get restored. And then, he, you know, all throughout, all these scriptures we're going to read and the people we're going to talk about, that's what, that's what it is. It's God saying, hey, look, I want to show you something. Come up here. I want to show you something. A big door open wide in heaven. With all this wonderful, glorious stuff, God wants to reveal stuff to us because He wants our lives to be good. He wants good in our lives. 
You've got to be convinced of that. If you don't believe God is out for your good, then you're going to be finding fault and you're going to be miserable and you're going to be thinking God is doing all these horrible things to you. It, it just messes you up. And those of us that are older, which are most of us, if you were in church when you were younger, you probably were, you know, preached fire and brimstone and, you know, you, you got all that. You got that part down real good. You know, you need to get delivered of that real good is what you need, though, because that's, you know, God is not a God of judgment all the time. It would be, it would be wrong to say that he is not a just and a judge in some ways because there is an eternal hell that is for those who disobey and refuse to accept his, his plan. But that is just for the rebels. The rest of us, God is all about our love. He wants to have a loving relationship with us. He wants good in our lives. He wants to do good in us, for us, and through us. And we've got to be convinced of that. If you're not convinced of that, then when bad things happen, you're going to get all messed up. I mean, you can't deal with it. But when you know that God is out for your good, even when bad stuff's going on, you can, you can have hope and you can keep your eyes on him and you can say, it's okay. It's safe to be in his hands because I know he's, he's out for my good. It may not seem so good at that moment, but you know that God is this great, big, glorious, loving God who is out for your good. And you can get pretty excited even when things aren't going all that well. Makes all the difference in the world. <clears throat> So we talked last week about Adam and Enoch and Noah. And, and in those cases, it was the same thing. God was, was the initiator of those relationships. You know? Noah was just minding his own business. And God came along and said, Noah, I've got a job for you. I've got a plan for you. I want to use you. So... God is always the initiator of all this whole thing about our relationship with him. <clears throat> Today we're going to talk about Abraham. Genesis 12 is where, you know, the first time we really start hearing about Abraham. And his name was Abram. That was before God changed his name. It says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country and from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse them who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And the reason I emphasize that is because I want you to understand that God is the one who initiates it. He's saying, I'm going to do this stuff. He didn't ask Abram to do anything except just simply obey. Just believe what I said and obey. That's the same thing God's always done. The problem is we, we hear all these other voices and we get distracted by all these other voices and what they're saying to us and we start thinking, well, maybe, maybe this is what I need to do. That's what Adam and Eve did. They knew exactly what God said, but then here come the, the serpent along and he, and he began to say, you know, this is good. This could be good for you. Look, it, it looks good, tastes good, make you smart, you know. It's all good. We have to really guard against the other voices that come. I mean, we, God's voice is clear. The word of God is clear. The truth is clear. But then there's all these other voices. And right now in our, in our culture and this nation, we've got all these other voices coming and saying, this is good. 
It's okay. It's, it looks good, feels good, it's to be desired, makes you get along with everybody. You know, and you fill in those blanks with whatever thing you want to talk about because there's lots of things that we have compromised on as a nation and we've accepted something that's way, way less than God's plan and God's desire. We as a people have, have changed so much over you know, the several hundred years that we've really been in existence as a nation. It was started out as a nation that honored God and now we're, you know, we don't want God in our schools anymore. When they first had schools, the little, the little book they used, the New England Primer, I mean, everything in that book was about God, you know. A, instead of being Apple, it was Adam, the first man. I mean, everything, I mean, and they weren't just little words either. They, they used, J was justification, S was sanctification. I mean, they, and these are for little bitty kids. I mean, they, we were founded on godly principles, but we've messed up and gone away. And so God is wanting us to understand that he has a plan for us, and it's a good plan. He's always had a good plan. The danger is that we accept something less than his very best. And then the Lord appeared to Abram, it says in verse 7, and he says, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And again, you know, God is the one who's doing the appearing. God's the one who's doing the talking. Abram was just doop, 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 you know, going about his business. And God appeared to him and said, Hey, Abram. And that's, that's the way it is with us. You know, we're just minding our own business being content to be a sinner, being content to do our, our things, you know, the old Frank Sinatra song, I did it my way, you know, we, we're just going along, and then God comes along and says, hey, you know, I got a better plan for you, and maybe it comes through a son talking to his father. Maybe it comes from a father talking to the son. Maybe it comes from a friend or a neighbor or a coworker. Maybe it comes from a preacher at a pulpit. Maybe it's a, a, a TV preacher. Uh, you know, I mean, I know someone that was saved by watching Tammy Faye Baker. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I look at that and it's like, wow, you know, that's a miracle. Uh, but, <laughs> but, you know, the truth is, God can speak through a donkey. He can, uh, you know, he can do anything. He just needs to get our attention long enough for us to say, okay, I'll believe what you say. As long as we say yes, God will take care of his part. Then chapter 13. Now I'm reading pieces of Abraham's life. I want you to understand how God didn't, didn't give up on him. God kept pursuing him. The Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had separated from him, he said, lift up your eyes now and look from the place where you are. Look northward southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. I'll make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants could also be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. It's a pretty cool promise. You know, God has God sought him out. Uh, just I know not everybody thinks the same way, but I tend to be a little analytical sometimes, and I think about details. And I always kind of wonder, why Abram? Why did God choose him? And I don't have a, you know, an exact answer, except that God saw in Abram something. 
And he said, this is a guy who, who is going to probably be willing to believe me. And he'll honor me and he'll obey me. And the thing is, God wanted to have a relationship with man again. God wanted to come down and dwell with men. He wanted to be with us. And he said, I don't want to just have a relationship with one guy like Enoch or one guy like Noah, but I want, a, I, want a whole, I want a whole nation, a whole people. See, originally when God created Adam and Eve and he told them to multiply and fill the earth, you know, he wanted that same perfect communion relationship to be with all of them. It wasn't just Adam and Eve. I mean, he, he was envisioning having a people, a multitude of people. And now he's choosing a man, and he's saying, I'm, I'm choosing you because in you, I think I can do what I want to do. I tried it with Adam. He blew it. I tried it with Noah, and he, he did okay, but, you know, we're messed up again. And now I'm going to try it with you. And so he, he chose Abram, and he said, look, here's the deal. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you, and I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to do all these things for you. And I just want you to say yes. And so you read about the life of Abraham, and uh, it's, it's pretty remarkable some of the things that he did. He was, uh, he was obedient. Hebrews tells us that when God told him, I want you to leave your family and go to a land that I'm going to show you, says that he got up and left, not knowing where he was going. I mean, he didn't even know where he was going. It's just like, okay, I'll go. That would require a lot of faith. And throughout all the years, when, when God would appear to him again, and he would reiterate, I'm making this covenant to you. I'm making this promise to you. I'm going to use you, make you a great nation. And Abraham, the whole time, you know, his name was still Abram, and he was looking at his, his life, and he'd say, well, I don't know, Lord. You know, I mean, you've been telling me this for 20, 30, 40 years now, and, you know, I don't even have a son yet. How, how are you going to make this great nation of me? God was, was saying, just believe what I say. Abram was saying, well, I'd like to, I want to, but I'm not really seeing it happen just yet. And then in chapter 14, Abram had to go and uh, rescue Lot from some people who had taken this whole city captive. And when he, when he saved him and brought him back, he had this meeting with Melchizedek, who was the king of Salem. And it says that Melchizedek brought out bread and wine, and he was the priest of God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. Now that's, that's talking about God Most High being the possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And it says that Abram gave Melchizedek 10% of all, the, of all the stuff that they brought back from this victory in the battle. I think it's pretty cool, though, that God says of Abram that you, this is your name. You are Abram of God Most High. I mean, that's pretty amazing that he's identifying a person with his name. And that's what he wants to do with all of us. He wants us to be able to relate to him when well, I mean, we are connected. You're Noah of God Most High, Talison of God Most High, Isaac of God Most High. You know, that's, 
Put your name in there. Think about that. That's what God is saying about you. You are of God most high. It's a pretty cool thing to think about that the God of the universe is saying, I'm choosing you and I'm going to put my name on you. That's how people are going to know you as Judy of God most high. Mitch of God most high. You know, and then how about this? What if it's, what if it's Eddie and Sherry Reed of God Most High? What if it's the Fellowship at Weatherford of God Most High? What if it's the Body of Christ of God Most High? Because all these different relationships, God wants to be, He wants to be connected with us in such a way that His name is on us. And we know who we are. And we know whose we are. And we know what He's called us to do. And we're, and we're saying yes. Because I see that you've put your name on me. I see that you've chosen me. And you've got this great plan. I say yes. Yeah, I've got my own plans, but I think I'll just hold up on them. Abraham, he had a, a long time to think about all this. Years and years and years went by until God actually began to really do the things that he'd been promising him. In chapter 15, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. And Abram said, Look, God, what are you going to give me? I don't even have a kid. You know, you're making all these great promises to me, but I got nothing. Now, Abram was wealthy. I mean, he, he was blessed at that point. But he didn't have this son so that he could become this great nation that God was telling him. And then he took him outside and he said, look now towards heaven. Count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to them, that's how your descendants are going to be. And he believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. God looked at Abraham and, and he said, because I've told you this and you are believing it, he said, I'm, I'm reckoning you to be righteous. And what that means is it's like I've, I've added it all up. I've looked at all the different qualities of you and me and this discussion we're having. And I'm saying you get it enough that I'm going to give you full credit for it. And I'm going to say that you're righteous because he believed. That's exactly what he does with us. You know? It's not because we live perfectly. It's because we believe what he says. And we believe what he says and we say yes to it. He accounts it as righteousness to us. The blood of Christ is what cleanses us, but our accepting that by faith is what makes it happen. If you choose to, to reject that, then there's going to come a day of reckoning. It ain't going to be the reckoning like Abram had. It's going to be the other kind of reckoning. And I reckon you won't like that. It's a good Texas word, reckon. I reckon so. So then you go on down, and uh, the same day it says uh, that God made a covenant with Abram, saying to your descendants, I've given this land. And then he, he goes, it's 99 years old in chapter 17. The Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make a covenant between me and you, and I'll multiply you exceedingly. And Abraham, excuse me, I keep saying Abraham. His name is Abram still at this point. 
Abram fell on his face and talked with God, or God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations, and I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Also, I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger. All the land of Canaan is an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Now, I think that's really, that's really what we're talking about. The whole thing, you put it all together, and God is saying, I, I just, I want to make this deal with you so that I can be your God. I want to be your God, and I want to have a people in the earth that I have this relationship with, not just a man here or there, or not just a woman here or there, but I want to have a people, a nation, that I can be their God. And it will be, a, it will be an example to all the whole earth so that everyone on the earth will see that I am your God and they'll see that I am a good God and they will want to know me and they'll want to be part of this. And you know, the Jews, they were, they were really kind of snotty about uh, the Gentiles. But God had said all along, if someone wants to join you, if a stranger, an alien wants to join you, receive them as long as they just will agree to do the things that my people are supposed to do. God has always made a way. And he's, and he's wanted it to be for everyone, not just for some select person or some select group, because God loves everyone. He doesn't want anyone to perish or to be without his redemption. So, and then God said to Abram, um, well, when he changed his name to Abraham, let me just make this point right quick. That, um, God's name was Yahweh or Jehovah, either one. He took two letters out of his name and stuck them right in the middle of Abram's name. And he made, went from Abram to Abraham. And what he was saying is, you're not just going to be you anymore. Now it's going to be you and me. I'm putting my name on you. I'm giving you a name that represents your connection to me. Melchizedek said, you're Abram of God most high. Now God's saying, I'm making you Abraham. And that literally has part of God's name in it. And then he said the same thing to, to Sarah. He said, you know, you're not going to be Sarah anymore. Sarai, however you say that. He put the same the A-H in it and made her name Sarah. He made him forever connected to his name. That's pretty cool. And then when he's telling him he's going to give him this son, <laughs> says Abraham fell on his face and laughed. He said in his heart, shall a child be born to a man who's a hundred years old? And so Sarah, my wife, who is 90 years old, bear a child. And then he, he makes this statement. He says, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. 
Oh, as my dad used to say, up jumps the devil. You know, that's, that's our problem, is that we hear God's plan for us, and God wants to do all these wonderful things in our life, and then we get anxious, or we get tired of waiting, and we say, how about if I just do this instead? And then, then we start asking God to bless it. You know, ah, oh, let Ishmael live before you, God. And Ishmael was a son out of a fleshly maneuver to try to make God's promise come to pass. I've had a few Ishmaels in my life, you know, where I, I thought I knew what I was supposed to do and I wasn't patient and I just jumped out there. I mean, you'd laugh if I told you some of them, but, uh, uh, and I don't have time to tell you all of them, that's for sure. But, you know the old saying, good, better, best, never let it rest till your good becomes better and your better best? I think what God says is good, better, best. Those are lots of dead works of the flesh. How about you just hold out and wait and don't accept anything except my very best? Because God has this plan for us that's so beyond it is so far beyond what we can imagine or what we could dream up or whatever. And, and we get impatient and we start thinking and we strategize. And, you know, it happens with, with pastors trying to build churches and all, all these different things. People say, oh, you know, man, there's this new, new way of doing stuff. You know, if I can just do that, you know, God will bless us and we'll grow or, or you know, I mean, do it in business. You know, if I can just do what the books tell me to do, you know, if I can just, you know, how about we just do what God's telling us to do? Because God knows exactly what we need. And he knows, he knows you inside out. He knows all of your strengths. He knows all of your weaknesses. He knows you better than you know yourself. You think you know yourself. But God knows everything about you. And God says, I've got this great plan for you. Don't take less than my very best. Don't do your thing. And then try to ask me to bless it, manipulate me into making it work out for you. Now, there's a balance to all that. So, you know, I mean, it, we're a work in progress. And so, obviously, when we mess up and we jump into something that we shouldn't, it, there's nothing wrong with asking God to bless us and help us and, you know, deliver us and fix our mistakes. But a better plan is to not jump out there and do something dumb. A better plan is to wait and do what God's asking you to do. You'll have so much more peace and joy and success and prosperity in your life if you'll do what God's leading you to do. But I'm glad that God is in the redemption business because when you do mess up, He makes a way out. He makes, he makes a way out. There's always a way out. Well, worship team, you guys can come back. I can quit on time even when I don't have a clock up there. I got a clock in my head. <laughs> it's not an atomic clock, but oh man, isn't God good? Yes. So, um, I think if we can if we can set our hearts to just hear what God is saying to us and accept the fact that he's got a better plan for us than one that we can dream up for ourselves. And then we'll be patient. We'll trust him, and we'll honor him, and we'll just 
instead of becoming impatient and jumping out there and doing something, let's, let's allow him to do his good word in our lives. He wants to perform his word in our lives. And when God has spoken something to you, and I know he has to a lot of us, there are people that are hanging on to some promise that God made. Maybe it was a year ago, maybe it was five years ago, maybe it was 20 or 30 or 40 years ago. Me personally, when I was, when I was still in high school, God called me to the ministry. And I knew it. I went to Bible college, and then through some unfortunate experiences, I allowed, I allowed myself to hear some other voices, and I got discouraged. I walked in unforgiveness, and I became blinded to all that God was saying to me. And I had given up completely that God could ever do what I was supposed to do in me because I thought I had messed it up too much. Too much time had gone by. And yet God in his great redemption was able to, to fix up all of my mess-ups. And I've now I figured out that I am who I am and where I am today because of all my mistakes. And God was able to take all that, fix it, make it into something that was worthwhile. In my own mind, my own eyes, you know, I had wasted my life and there's no point. Why even try? Too much time has gone by. I'll never be what God wanted. But God never gave up. He doesn't give up. He never gives up on us. Let's don't give up on him or what he's promised to us. So if God has spoken something into you and you've never seen it come to pass or you've seen bits and pieces but it's not ever fully worked out, um, just press in and keep saying, yes, Lord, I receive. I receive what you say. I will obey you, and I will follow you, and I will trust that you're going to perform the word that you've spoken into my life. So, Lord, we receive that today. We want, to, we want to be convinced, Lord, that you are God with us. You are walking with us. You are going to talk to us. You're going to show us things. You're going to lead us and guide us. You've made all these promises to us, and we don't want to accept anything less than your very best. Help us, Lord, to hold on and to trust you and to, and to hang on for your very best, not just jump at something because it's quick or easy. Lord, we study about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the different uh, patriarchs. Lord, we see that they suffered. Some of them suffered mildly. Some of them waited for years and years, and they endured hardships. Help us to be willing to obey and to trust and to stay the course until you perform your good word in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and worship.
opportunity just in case someone is here you've never made that first step and first choice to let Jesus be Lord of your life and maybe you're wondering what in the world are these people talking about well this is a day it's an opportunity for you to find out uh, don't leave here without coming to know the Lord as your personal Savior he has a plan for you and it's a much better plan than you can devise for yourself if you're here and you have any other special prayer requests, you want to come and be prayed with, we have people that will meet you at the altar. Uh, maybe, maybe the Lord spoke to you about some dream or vision in your life that you've given up on that he wants to restore. Maybe God wants to refresh a dream in your heart. Whatever it might be, if you'd like special prayer, someone will meet you. And as we sing this last song, you're free to come and we'll pray with you.
Hallelujah. How about we end on a high note, huh? Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. So, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may he lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his perfect peace. Go and be blessed. Uh, there's snacks and things you can visit and fellowship. And uh, have a great week. Come see us Wednesday night for all the activities. And God bless you.